Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode we recorded um last summer, 2022, with Leah Edmond and and she shares her journey and her story and she kind of calls it the calm confidence. And also beside the journey, she talked about, you know, accessibility. How can we make the game of volleyball more accessible, you know, across across the United States? So great journey, great conversation, and let's get to it. So Leah, the question that's every athlete that comes on is when you're an athlete, what's like your biggest dream goal you want to achieve? Um, I kind of like started in small steps. So like my first goal was to play in college. Um, I grew up around college athletics with my dad being a coach. So I was like, I want to be just like them. I wanted to play in college. I wanted to play at the D one level, like everyone does. And that was kind of like my big goal. And then once I got a little bit older and closer and once I committed and I had that set, I was like, okay, I want to play professionally too. So it was like both of those things. That's that's what I was working towards. Um, I kind of wanted to be in the national team gym too, but kind of that dream kind of shifted a little bit the older I got, but it was definitely to play professionally and to play in college because that's all I've ever seen. And I was like, well, that's what I want to do too. So when you have that, you know, like you you want to go to college, you want to play. So how do you think that? How do you think that's like that's what's going to happen? Like, like what was the thing that would take to get there? Um. Well, for volleyball, you have to play club volleyball. So we basically have two seasons. We play high school or our team ball, and then we have to play club. That's how you get seen. And so I started doing that about my eighth grade year of middle school well, middle school so that's when I started that which is kind of like late now um we got girls that are 10 and 11 playing it now so uh, yeah I was kind of like a late bloomer in that one but like I really didn't know anything about it like my parents are like football and we knew about basketball and like those type of things so, like volleyball was like uncharted territory for us so yeah it's just kind of basically like club tournaments coaches are there they come and see you but a lot of it was me reaching out um i made a list of every school and every conference so i sat down and listened down every conference because that's how like my brain works and i was like okay let me think about these schools first of all where they're at and how good the volleyball program is. And then I kind of just like narrowed it down. So I had a group of schools in each conference that I was like, you know what, if I went there, I'd be totally cool. And then I started reaching out to them as well, because recruiting is a two-way street. Like if you aren't actively pursuing it, they're not going to actively pursue you no matter how good or bad you may be. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how it started. I mean, I had teams reaching out to me before I even knew what recruiting was. And I was like, I don't, we're not ready for this. So like, if you're expecting me to commit when I'm a freshman, you're kidding yourself. Um, and so like, that's basically, I kind of just like kept, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I just kind of like level headed through recruiting. Like I'm a really like straight shooter. So like when teams and like schools weren't being like straightforward with me, I was like, bye, (laughs) hit the door. Like I'm not playing that game with you. Like I know it too well. I've been watching it my entire life. Like I know when you're not the first pick at a school. And I was like, well, if I'm not your first pick, then I'm not coming there. So it was just kind of like, I I kind of just like had a couple schools that I was obsessed with and I rock and rolled with those ones. And then I ended up choosing Kentucky. Sounds like you were very confident in, in the process. 
Mm-hmm. Very much so. I kind of, it was more like I knew what I could bring to the table. I knew who I was as a player and a person. And if someone wasn't going to be a hundred percent full for me from the beginning, then I didn't want to be there. Like, I didn't want someone to be like, oh, we didn't get our first one, but I guess she will do. Like, I wanted to be like, no, we want you because we know who you are as a person and what you can be as a player. So, so, so when you, so stay at school, reached out to you, what was like, like some of the things you would ask them, like to kind of get like, you know, those, those points to kind of whatever you're looking for. Um, I mean, like the first like main question, like I asked is like, what do you, how do you see me fitting into your program? Like, what is your goal for me? Like, what is my role? Um, and that kind of weeded out teams really quickly because there's either schools that had the very quick, like, we want you to be this and this and this, or other schools were like, well, you know, like, we think that you'd be like a great part of the program. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I asked. I asked, what do you see me doing in this program? And that's kind of how I figured out, like, okay, these are the teams that like see me being impactful. And these are the teams that are kind of like, eh, we'll see what happens with her. We're not sure. And of course, a big thing for me is what position they wanted me to play because at that time in high school, I was playing two positions. I was playing outside and middle. So I really needed to know what they wanted. And there was only one school. And of course it was the school I went to that was like, we will play you in both positions if we have to. And that was like green flag. And of course, after they said that all the other schools after them started saying that too. So I was like, okay, like who's being really honest about it. But yeah, I asked them like that type of question and like what their goals were as a program because you know like some programs are just trying to like build up get higher in their conference standings some are trying to get farther in NCAA tournaments some are trying to be repeat champions and so like knowing what their goals were if that aligned with my goals because going through the process my big thing was I wanted to change a program I didn't want to be a part of a program that was still building, that still had a lot of work to do. And I didn't want to be a part of a program that had already done everything because I feel like if I was a part of either one of those, you kind of, you can get lost in it. Like I can go through four years and just be like, oh, she was just another player that went through it. I wanted to go to a program. And when I leave, when my class leave, that program is completely different than when I got there. And so that was a big thing for me too. Cause if like, they're still trying to work on the building blocks, if they were at the bottom of the standings, I was like, what? There's not, but so much one person can do. So I wanted to, t- to be on a team that was like right there on the cusp of doing something great. They just need a little bit extra. Man, so it sounds like if you were a coach, if you weren't on your A game, you were you were you were just off off the list. Ba- yeah, basically, I had yeah, it. It was hard because like I my first visit was to Kentucky, and Kentucky was on it. Like offered me on my first visit was like knew exactly what they wanted. And the crazy thing about that is when I first moved here, they did not want to recruit me. And so like for it to go from that, from not wanting to recruit me to like offering me on my first visit in like a span of six months was like wild. So every school that I went to or talked to after that, I was comparing to Kentucky because they were straightforward. They told me exactly what they wanted and what they needed and they didn't mess around. And so I was expecting that from every other school because I was in love with them, but I was like, you know, like it's only the first visit. Like, let me give some other schools some chances. I went on one other visit 
and I had the complete opposite experience. I knew I wasn't their first choice. They didn't even show me the locker room. It was like, there were just so many things that happened on the visit that was like, I'm not, we're not, we're not doing this. And so after that, I was just afraid. I was afraid to go on any other visits. I was afraid to talk to any other school. Cause I was like, I'm not going to let anyone else make me feel how that school made me feel after that. And so I kind of just like shut it down. Wouldn't talk to anyone because I was like, how do I know you're being truthful? And like some schools were like, we will offer you as soon as you get on campus, like, just please come visit it. And I was like, no, I was just like too obsessed with Kentucky. And so then what did I do at the end of the summer? Committed to Kentucky. And I was happy and fine with that. And what year did you commit? I committed to Kentucky going into my junior year. So that would have been 2015. Good. Yeah. So they offered me in February. I committed in August. So you were like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be a wildcat. Yeah. I was like, you know what? No other place is going to compare. And they have exactly what I'm looking for. So why not? And of course, like my dream school, like the school, like I obsessed over, like as I was like a kid, two days before I was planning on committing to Kentucky, they were like, all up on my phone. I was like, Oh my God, like, what do I do? What do I do? But then they said the the best words, they said, you have to come to camp before we can offer you. And I was like, Nope, I'm going to Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Kentucky. I was like, you all that the team had been watching me for such a long time. And I was like, what else do you need to see? They've been at, they were at every tournament. They sat and watched every single game that I played at. And I was like, what else do you need to see? And so that comment right there, I was like, nope, if you have to still come, I have to still fly all the way to you just for you to be sure. Nope. I was like, Kentucky's the place for me because they didn't have to. They they saw me one or two times and were like, yep, that's it. She's the girl. She's the girl. Yeah. <laughs> What's your coach name that they're, they're, they're recruited you? We got to give her a shout out or him a shout out. Ah, oh, Craig Skinner, Craig uh, Skinner, Lindsey Gray Walton, Anders Nelson. They all the three of them were recruiting me because it's kind of easy in Kentucky. I'm here, so they just kind of like rotated it, like one. But Lindsey was the main person that I talked to, and I still talk to her all the time. But I love this coaching staff, and they were truly great. And my recruiting experience with them was amazing. I can tell, like whoever's here, maybe Kentucky fan after this, you know. <laughs> we need more so i'm all for it <laughs> uh, so so you, so you going into this you were like i want to i want to leave a legacy mm-hmm. i want to sure. i don't want to just be another player i want to be a part of building a culture a team uh, you know a foundation for the lead the future yes for sure Okay, so so now so going into that freshman year at kentucky what are your expectations to play. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't care if I was in for one rotation or six rotations. I just wanted to start and I wanted to play. And I started off with that. I was like, Hey, goal one through preseason is to start. I want to be the starting outside. I just want to play. And then after that, if I play three rotations or if I play all the way around, like we can move into that, but I just wanted to start. And so did that started. So I was like, okay, I kind of, at first I only played front row. And so like my next goal was like, okay, let's see if I can like serve a little or just like get into that. And so then I started playing six rotations and I was like, okay, like then we can like rock and roll. And then I was like, okay, like let's think outside of, 
I guess, like playing, like what are like my goals? And like, of course we wanted to win a championship. That's everyone's goal. But like, I wanted to be like all freshman team or like all SEC or like all American, like honorable mention, all American. Those were like my things. So I knew that if I played to that level, we would win a lot of games. And so that was like my mentality was like, if I'm shooting to be one of the best in the conference or be one of the best in the country, then I have to hold myself to a certain level of playing every time I step on the court. And if I'm holding myself to such a high level, that will help everyone around me. So that's kind of like how I went through the things and I got a lot more than I was expecting, which I was like, great. And everybody was like, Weren't you expecting that? And I was like, no. <laughs> so, 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 so it's kind of, kind of a process, right? So you have yeah. these goals. So, so what happened to you? Did you have to kind of put in place for yourself as a freshman to achieve those goals? Um, I kind of had to slow myself down because I'm like, a, I want this to happen. I want it to happen now. And I had to realize that like, first of all, a freshman in college and a freshman in high school are two very different things life wise and volleyball wise. Um, and so I needed to just like not think so much, which I really wasn't at that time. At that time I was like life. Okay. <laughs> like I'm in college and I'm playing volleyball. Like this is everything I could ever want. So like, it wasn't, I didn't feel any stress like as a freshman, um, like I did in high school. So all four years of high school, I felt the stress or the responsibility to carry and to carry the entire team or carry my position group. I always had that stress from high school and club to feel like I had to do everything. Now, was that pressure I probably put on myself more than I needed to? Absolutely. But like that mentality made me play my best because I felt like that if I didn't play my best, we were probably going to lose a game. And I didn't ever want that to happen. Now that's probably unwanted stress that I didn't need, but I ended up playing my best. So it worked. So going back into being a freshman and being around women who had already done this at least one time, there's some stress off of me because I was literally the youngest person on the court. Majority of the people playing were sophomores and juniors or juniors and seniors. So they had already been through this. And so like me making a mistake or me having a mental lapse because this is just new, wasn't as big of a deal because I knew I had other people to pick up on. So it kind of made the transition easy and easier for me to hit my goals. because I didn't feel stressed to be everything. I like that you said, you know, you achieved more than you, than you thought that was going to happen. So what do you mean by that? Um, like award wise, like I did a lot more than I thought. Like I in high school and club was very, um, underlooked. So like, I was just like the athlete, which we can get into because it's a very frustrating thing for me. Um, but I was just an athlete that could jump really high and was like just super athletic. So like, no one really paid attention to me. Like I got recognition in high school, but also high school volleyball in Lexington was like, it's, it's good, but it's not the best. So like, if you did something like pretty good, you end up being on a team on, on all city or all state or something like that. So, but even through that, like still, I never got any like national recognition. I mean, like I was like number seven in my recruiting class, but like that only happened because we just happened to beat the number one team in the country. 
Like if that didn't happen, I guarantee I wouldn't have been put that high up. And so like just things like that, like I got recognition, but like it wasn't like respect. It wasn't like a respectful recognition. That's why I didn't feel like it was. It didn't, I didn't feel like it was because of my skill as a volleyball player. It was because I jumped so high and I was so athletic that like, that's why she's able to do these things. Not because she actually can play volleyball. So like to get to college and then when all the awards that I did, I felt like I was actually getting recognition for what I can do as a volleyball player, not me as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, you wanted to be known for your skill set, mm-hmm. you know, and be able to, what you can do as a technical player, just because yeah. you had the ability to do some more athletic things that people couldn't do. Yeah. Cause you know, with black athletes, it's a very small adjective pool for us for some reason, no matter what we do. And so it was just always, she's really raw. She has so much potential. And I was like, I mean, I was like, I haven't been playing volleyball for that long, but I'm not that raw. I can learn a couple of things, but I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, me being athletic is not an indicator of me being able to do the things that I do. Cause that's not just that and me jumping high. I, I know white people, black people, Hispanic people that can jump high. So like that, those things just very much aggravated me and they aggravated me through my whole career because that's all I was said to be. It was never that I was like a great volleyball player. It was, she's super athletic and she can jump really high. And I'm like, but there's more to me than that. So did that drive you? Every day, just to be oh, like- every single day, especially playing in a sport that's predominantly white. It's just like for some reason, and I mean, that's with every sport that you play. That for some reason, I'm only labeled these certain things. And literally, till my senior year, my senior year was the first time that I ever watched a game, and someone said I had a high volleyball IQ like that I knew the game and that the things that I was doing were smart and methodical. And I was thinking about the court and where to put the ball, like to get to like what, 23, 22, 23 years old after playing volleyball, since I was about nine or 10, that's the first time that I hear that I am smart when it comes to volleyball. It's extremely frustrating. Because like, like it's, but I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like maybe my freshman and my sophomore year of high school, like I just was kind of gangly. I was, and I was long and I just had a bunch of limbs and I didn't know how to use them. And I kind of didn't know how to control my body, but that comes with time. But like, once I started clearly showing that I knew how to play volleyball, I feel like the conversation should have changed and it didn't. And it still hasn't because I have teammates now that I watch broadcast of and it's still the same thing. It's, oh, she jumps really high. Her arms are so long that they reach over the net. No, how about she has really good blocking technique and that's why she's able to do the things that she does. Not because she can jump really high. Can she jump really high? Out of the world. But it's more than that. It's not just that. And so it's every day I'm trying to work to change that stigma, especially around black volleyball players because for some reason that's all we hear uh, that's interesting like i, I, I I'm, 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 still, I'm still learning volleyball so it's interesting to hear that perspective and yeah. so so for you right if you were to describe your game how would you describe your 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 skills as a volleyball player i mean i think the first word that comes to my mind is like powerful 
because that is something that I love about my, myself is how powerful my arm really is and how strong it is. And I think also that I am smart. Like, do I love to just go up there and rip away? Absolutely. 90% of the time, that's exactly what I'm doing. But I'm also smart enough that I can see the court and I'm experienced enough and I have a high volleyball IQ. I can see the court. I know where to put the ball. Now, does the ball always go where you want it to? No, trust me, it doesn't. But I'm smart enough and I've been playing long enough that I know what I'm doing. And like, that's frustrating because I'm powerful and I have a high volleyball IQ and I am extremely confident, but also very calm on the court. And so those are things that I want to be known for. I had a calm confidence that even though I would go up there and rip away balls, you would never see me look... um, scared or anxiety rated on the court. That's probably the calmest I will ever be is on the volleyball court. And so like, those are things that I wanted to be described as that I was extremely confident, but calm, a very powerful, but smart hitter. And those words were sometimes used. Powerful always gets used. I have a heavy arm that you always will hear that, but like the rest of it never comes up. Well, we will for sure label this episode calm confidence. I like that. I, I do, do too. Like that, 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 that's, like that. It's like a, it has a good vibe to it. You know? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I was really struggling when I saw that. I was like, I have not one title. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> and well, you got it right now for sure. <laughs> so going on that, I mean, like, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, young, you know, black, black girls that are playing volleyball and probably other sports too that are getting those type of adjectives, right? And they're, they're not yeah. being described about, you know, their ability to play the game, but just about their attributes. So how do you think those words affect those athletes, you know, just like growing up and just, just loving the sport and just, you know, being able to develop? Um, I think it's hard, especially I'm going to be volleyball specific in our sport. There's a lot of bias. And I've talked about this before, how the black athletes are automatically put as hitters. We're the ones swinging at the ball and jumping a bunch. We're always put in the front row. You you have a couple black setters and you have a couple black liberos, but I can tell you the majority of black women who play volleyball are hitters. And so first working through that, that like just because I'm tall and black does not automatically mean I have to hit. And specifically, they love putting us at middle blocker because that's the agile athletic position you're moving back and forth you're jumping a lot because that's what I was put as because it was it's so funny to look back now that like I was automatically labeled as a middle and their girls in college that I was always around they were like you're gonna play outside just promise us you're gonna play outside like we know you're going to do it like you think you're gonna be a middle but they're gonna turn you into an outside and that's exactly what they did but I played middle literally till I stepped foot on my college campus and so like just first of all working on that bias of like And it's like unconscious, like most things are. You're not thinking, oh, she's black and because she's black and she can jump. She has to play in middle. But that's where we've always been put from Olympic teams, national teams to club and college teams. We're always the majority of them are middles. They are. And I mean, it's getting a little bit diverse. But I mean, even the girls that I played with, majority of the black players were middles or they played front row. So working through that first and having the confidence to be like, No, like if a coach tries to put you as a hitter, but you really, really want to learn how to set, you need to be like, no, I want to learn how to set. Like, I feel like I weigh, I'm way more confident in setting or passing and playing back row than I am hitting. 
And I think like, that's the first thing we got to work on. Cause like, you don't automatically have to be a hitter. Cause you can jump like that, that if that's not what somebody wants to do, like, I mean, I even said a little bit cause I enjoyed it. I liked doing it, but I always got put back as a hitter. So working through that bias first of, Hey, just because she's black does not mean she has to be a hitter. And then second, making sure we have representation in ways, like making sure that they can look at national teams or the Olympic teams and there are black women on those teams that they look at college teams and they can see the diversity. Um, Like my pro league, the amount of diversity in my pro league is just amazing. And knowing that there are so many black women that girls can watch our league and see and be like, I want to be like them. Cause there were plenty growing up for me, but I feel like there wasn't enough, not the way that you see football and basketball are predominantly black sports, like football, basketball, track and field. You saw a ton of them. So you were like, that's where I'm going to gravitate to. It, it's hard not to, it's not like, a, I don't want to play that sport. It's just like, I don't, no one looks like me that plays that sport. So like, why would I want to do that? And especially in like high school, like you don't see many black tennis or golf or gymnasts or things like that. So like, you're not going to gravitate towards something that you don't see and also making it more accessible. Volleyball is an expensive sport, a very expensive sport. And so football and basketball don't cater to that need of it not being expensive. A basketball is nowhere near as expensive as volleyball, nowhere as close as time consuming as volleyball. And it's just like, it's just not the same. And so when you have low income areas, they're not going to gravitate to a sport that you're paying thousands and thousands of dollars for. I mean, I know people who have paid their college tuition in club volleyball and like making it more, more accessible to all groups of people. Cause that's the, that's the issue. You have predominantly white sports. Why are they predominantly white? Cause they're so expensive and you have areas and parts of cities or parts of the country that lost the black population, low income, they can't pay for those sports. So if they can't pay for them, they're not going to do them. Yeah. So making it more accessible because like, even in my own club, there wasn't that many of us. And Lexington isn't like, uh, our club wasn't crazy expensive, but it was still expensive enough that it wasn't an option to everyone. So like those three things, bias, the accessibility, like just those things just make such a difference. And especially for our sport, it makes such a difference. Um, the, the difference between it being accessible is the difference between you having a more diverse group of people wanting to play it. I mean, it is, it's the number one growing sport in high school for women's sports right now. So it's getting there, but in terms of getting the getting to college route is still extremely difficult. I love the conversation. It's making me think about, you know, how can we at nine point do more to, you know, be a part of the change, right? Because because I'm learning myself from hearing conversations like like this with you that has me thinking like, okay, what what can we do more to showcase more more black more black athletes? You know, on the women and the men's side, right? Because yeah. I'm sure like like you don't see a lot of black men playing volleyball, right? Because oh. we we gravitate towards. We, 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 see, we see football, we see, like you said earlier, football, basketball, and track. That's because yep. we're, we're the athletes, right? Because that's, that's what we gravitate towards. So it's interesting. That's got me, got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's 6 a.m. in the morning, got me thinking. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so to go back to to your journey you know so you know you achieved great things your freshman year so how did you think okay how do i you know keep going up your sophomore junior and senior year so the big thing for kentucky was we were so close. So my freshman year, we last game of the regular season, we lost to a team that we've lost to multiple times to win an SEC championship. So it was another not failed season, but it was another like we were so close and we didn't get it. So going into my sophomore year, it that was all, I mean, whole team, that's all we talked about. That's all we think about. We were like, we are done with being too close. We are done with losing the one game that would change the rest of the landscape. Um, and so like, that wasn't our goal. So going into my sophomore year, guns were blazing. Like team was on fire from the second we lost in the tournament to first day of preseason. And I mean, even through that, um, and that was our goal. And that was my goal. And my goal was like, well, what can I do better than I did last year? How can I go past? Cause at that point I had won all the awards. I'd always thought I could win. And so then I was like, well, there's another step to this. There are like more levels. Like I was a third team. How can I be first team? And if I'm a first team all American, like how, what's that going to do for my team? And if I'm playing to that level, what's that going to do for them? If I am aiming to be SEC player of the year, if I'm playing at that level, that's going to help my team achieve that championship goal that we wanted. And that was kind of the mentality every time because we just wanted to get one step closer. We wanted to get the SEC championship. We wanted to get farther in the tournament. And so everything that we did and everything that I did was like, what can my goal, what can my aspirations be for myself that will then impact the team? Because me, I'm very team oriented. I'm very like, what can I do to help? Not what can I do for myself? And I feel like sometimes that can get a little distruded when you're trying to think of goals for yourself. You're trying to think of like, okay, well, what are my goals? But like, I was more like, okay, like if I do this, then I, I get this team goal. So it was kind of like that. That's always been my mentality was like, okay, if I hold myself to this standard of what I want, that in turn helps the team because then I'm playing at a high level every time I step foot on the court. Cause that's anytime someone sees me, they're going off of that game, like that game. Cause every, cause the coaches are part of the boards of directors that choose these people. And so I'm like, well, if I step out and I play really well in front of all these people in the public, that's going to help me then achieve the awards that I want, but then also help my team win the game. So that's kind of always been my mentality. And then like every year I was a stepping stone. So my sophomore year, we made it to the elite eight. So in my mind for junior year, I was like final four, like that's the next stepping stone. We won a championship finally in my sophomore year. So I was like, okay, another championship. So every year I was building on what we didn't get from the last year and how I could push myself to get to that point the year after. So this, this calm confidence is off the chart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not calm in real life. So it's just like wild that I'm calm when it comes to volleyball. So I'm curious, what year were you captain? We didn't have captains. Really? Because you would have been probably captain probably your freshman year, maybe. We did not have captains. So like we had, of course, every year you had like 
the seniors would do the ones would do like coin toss and things like that. So that was always, um, but our coach really believed that a leader could come from any class. Like you had like your main people, like there were people every year that were like, you could tell were like kind of the leaders that the coaches. And I mean, like I, from probably my sophomore year up, they put me in some type of leadership role or expected me to hold the team to some type of standard, but we never had like a true, like, these are your captains. It was like a freshman could do something to lead this team, which is very true because I had moments in my freshman year when I led the team. And there were moments that freshmen after me came in and led the team. I mean, my sophomore year, our setter was a freshman. She's literally leading the team. She's the one that touches the ball the most out of anyone. And so like he believed that leaders come in all shapes and sizes and forms and positions. So someone on the bench that's not playing that much can be just as much as a leader as someone on the court. So that we never really had true captains. We had, we had people you like, you know, on the team, you have people that you know are like, they gravitate towards being the leaders and everybody looks towards them, but like there was no assigned title to them. AKA you. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe I didn't step into that role fully until I was an upperclassman because the senior class I had my sophomore year was, they didn't need any help. They were very driven. They they led and they took it and we followed them easily. So it was more definitely my junior and senior year. Like I had a role, but my role was more like do your job yeah. kind of role, like play volleyball. Like you you can lead us through volleyball. Let's let's do that. It wasn't more, I didn't have merit very much of a vocal voice until more upperclassmen here because I didn't feel like that was necessary from me because we had the people who could do it. And I think that's kind of a good thing too. Because I think sometimes I think leadership, leadership as like kind of being the loudest one in the room. I think mm-hmm. sometimes just like our actions can be the strongest, you know, thing that we can do to show that we're a true leader. You know, people can follow that way by by you getting up and grinding every every day, not backing down from like they probably followed you for that. I mean, I'm vocal. I was vocal, but I definitely was more like, I'm going to go play volleyball. Y'all going to follow me with that? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Then That's kind of my thing. And I'm okay with that. That's kind of always been my thing. I have my moments. I will say I have my vocal moments where I will rip in everyone. But most of the time I was like, I'm going to go get a kill. And by me getting a kill, it's going to be all you fired up. And then we're going to go. I'm going to walk from your highlights now. I'm, I'm curious to kind of watch, kind of just to see, 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 to see the game and kind of, kind of match it to what you're saying here. Yeah. My personality on the court is one of a kind to say the least. It's very funny when people watch me and they like watch me play and then they see me off the court and they're like, Oh, you, you on the court. That's a interesting person. I'm like, it's intense. There's a switch, right? Yeah, I know it's a very quick switch. I mean, but that was like any anytime we did something competitive, even in practice, switch flipped. I'm coming at your neck. So, so it's game day. What what what's your go to warm song? We don't have just one song. It's a whole playlist okay. of the most aggressive music from all of my favorite artists. So, yeah. lots of Drake, lots of Future, um, lots of Young Thug and Gunna. 
and little baby, just that rotation. Waka Flocka always, that's like a Kentucky staple. Like if you don't, if you don't play Waka Flocka at least one time, like you can't play a sport at Kentucky. Hard to paint. It's come on in. Literally. <laughs> it's wild. The this we have like our school has like this history of Waka Flocka. He even came to a game like that always was just played. It's it's a really we we listen to some really aggressive music in the locker room. Like if you walked in there, you'd be like, is this a football team? Like, no, fun 15 girls. Got, got, you got the whole you got got Gunner Young Thug, y'all, y'all full gangsters over there. Oh, we were playing some songs and we were just, just like sometimes like even the recruits would be like, y'all are, this is aggressive. Like, but we were like, that's us. Like, it, it was just really like, that's how we, it was like weird. Even like the calmest person on the team, like you play that, a rap. It's a rap. Even, even coaches get into it? Mm. <laughs> Not really. I feel like sometimes they were like, we were like, they like would stand outside of the locker room, like before, like we come, they come in for a meeting and they'd be like, y'all were playing some interesting music. And we were just kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, there were sometimes like after we like won a championship, there's like a song that like every single um, Grove Street Party by Waka Flocka is like Kentucky Anthem. So like everyone after you won, everyone would play that song. Football, basketball, volleyball, everybody loved that song. Like that, if you play that song in a stadium of 60,000 people, that place goes nuts. It goes nuts. Like that's our song. Like that's the Kentucky song. So like, of course, all of our coaches would always like dance with us when we played that after we like won a big game. But yeah, majority of the time they were like, y'all are being really aggressive. And we we're like, it worked. It worked. <laughs> Some Yang twins team goes nuts. Y'all going nuts for sure. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, it's a good time though. That's what you need. Yeah. Our team thrived off of the aggressiveness. So you need the vibes. Yeah, it was a vibe. <laughs> so, so in a journey, you know, you're, you're achieving all these things. At what point did you start talking about like, like the next chapter, right? Like what's going to be next after, you know, Kentucky Day, they're over? I really didn't think about it, to be completely honest. Um, I guess I got glimpses of it because um, almost every summer, almost every summer that I played at Kentucky, we, I went overseas and I played with the, um, the U S collegiate team or I played with the junior national team. So like my first year I went to Mexico, second year I went to Europe and third year Kentucky took us to Brazil. So every time I went and did that and I got to see volleyball from a worldly perspective, it definitely was like in the back of my mind. Um, Cause those experiences kind of, you got used to, like I was in Mexico for a month. Like that, getting used to that, being in a culture that I don't know, eating food that I don't know, and being around people that do not speak English like that, you're getting slow glimpses of what the professional life would be because professional volleyball is not a thing in the States. I mean, I've been part of a league that just started two years ago trying to get professional volleyball, but like majority of my friends, majority of people are not in America because for some reason... Pro volleyball is a big thing in every single country but America. It's wild too because so many, so, some of the best athletes, right, 
or in the U.S. and then to go yeah. to to get to play. Yeah, and it's it's very frustrating. And they've tried before, and that was a long time ago, like back eighties and nineties. So I'm hoping that with what we have now with social media and things like that, it's helping. And I mean, my league is gaining momentum and that's really exciting, but like, it's just not, it's like WNBA. Like we are baby steps. And I mean, they've taken almost 20, 25 years to get to where they are and they're still struggling to get what they deserve. And so I know for our sport, even though we get so many people watch, I mean, millions of people are watching tournaments and arenas are filled and like there are fans everywhere. Like I just went on vacation and someone was talking about college volleyball with me, like just like something like that. Like people came up and like, Oh my God, you play volleyball. Do you know this person and this person? And like, just like things like that. So like, I know people will watch it if you put it on, but you can't put it on like Fox sports too. Or you can't put it on ESPN Plus where someone has to have a subscription or an extra package or something like that. But it was in my mind. Pro volleyball was in my mind, but I was so consumed with Kentucky that like I, you couldn't get my eyes anywhere else. And then of course, as I'm graduating, COVID happened. So that put a whole pause on my ideas too, because I was like, um, I was like, I haven't played volleyball since December. It's March. I have an agent. I'm looking at teams and going to look at where I want to play. But at the same time, we have this whole illness right now that we have no clue what's going on with. Half of Europe is shut down. Can't come back to America. Do I really want to go and pursue this like right now? So like, it was a lot. It was a lot. I really didn't think about it. And then of course, when I was ready to think about it, the whole world was going nuts. And I was like, yeah, no, scratch that. We're not, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> and luckily AU is right on the corner. Yes. And luckily that same summer, AU was like, Hey, you want to sit on a call and like, listen to this. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. I'm only playing volleyball for six weeks get to stay in America. Cause at that point I'd also found out that I had a torn labrum. So I was really trying to like, that's, that's been the struggle of my pro career. So we talked about my college struggles, pro struggles is dealing with the fact that I have a torn shoulder and I didn't get it fixed and don't plan on getting it fixed anytime soon and trying to combat a whole new mental state was rough. It was rough. Very rough, but AU came at the perfect time for me. So, so kind of going on, on those two folds, right? So, on the the injury, like, how did? So, what's your framework? Are you seem like like you're very driven, like you want to, you know, go get it. So, how do you kind of guess maybe slow yourself down a little bit to handle that going on? It was a tearful process to say the least because everything that I had known before as a volleyball player, like my swinging and my arm and my power and being known for she only hits a hundred percent, 90% of the time. So like there was no slowing down the shot or hitting 50%. I was go, go, go. And I had to relearn how to swing. And that was a process of going to rehab. And she literally said, you can only swing at 30%. Well, I don't, what, what is 30%? Like, what, what is that? Like I can only hit at 30% and I can only hit, it hit eight times every two days. 
like the, my whole rehab process was wild. I spent almost four or five months literally rebuilding how to swing again and knowing how to go from a hundred to 30 to 40 to 50 and then 60 and 70. And then learning how to do that. It was extremely difficult for my mental state because every time I went up to swing and I saw the ball, I was like, Oh, I had to swing away. And like, I got yelled at, I mean, so many times, that's not 30%. That's like 70. And I was like, but I don't even know what my 70 is. And they're like, you're swinging too hard. And I'm like, okay. Like, just like going through all of that. And like, I went almost eight months with not seven, eight months of not being able to swing period. Not, I mean, it was like April to October. April to October almost that I could not swing, could not touch a volleyball, could not do anything above my head. And that was difficult because I'm like, well, I'm an athlete. I have to play. Like I have to keep all this stuff. And like, I had to like slow down and literally sit here and learn how to like use muscles in my shoulder that I didn't even know existed. Um, rebuild muscle, learn how to move again. And all these things that like, I just wasn't planning on doing coming out of college. Cause like, I never had pain. I mean, not in my arm. Like it was always like, I had a messed up knee. I sprained my ankle a couple of times. I had back issues, but like my shoulder, my shoulder was straight. Cause I mean, if we're being honest, I've taken a lot of swings, like thousands of swings. I've taken at least maybe 1200 swings a season since I was 15 years old, probably even more than that. And just like, I just always was like, my arm's not going to fall off. I mean, everybody else knew my arm was going to fall off, but like, I was naive to the fact. So actually being injured with someone, something that stopped me from playing volleyball is what got me. Cause all my other injuries, sprained ankle, played through those, my knee taped it up, called it a day. My back took pain meds. So like I was able to play through all these injuries and I, took pride in paying through my injuries and I took pride in playing through pain because it showed how good of a leader I was. And then when this happened, I was like, wait a second, why, why did I take pride in playing through pain? Like, why did I take pride in playing through being injured? Well, like from a grand scheme of things, like you see like NBA players and NFL players like talk about, oh, I played with a torn ACL. I played with a broken arm or a broken leg or a broken ankle. And like, people are like, oh my God, you're so tough. And then like, when I, like now looking back at it, I was like, that's, why do we praise that? Why do we glorify playing through your body being injured? Why do we glorify playing when you're sick? Like, even if you have the MJ flu game, like, why do we praise that? And I'm like, cause it kind of changed my perspective on it. I was like, I'm in excruciating pain. What, what joy, what am I bringing to my teammates to this game by not being at a hundred percent? Like it's not, it should be frowned upon. Like we shouldn't be forcing, like we already force our bodies to end that they were never supposed to go to, or I don't think they're supposed to go to because my shoulders, both shoulders are torn, probably got tears in my hips and tears in my knees. Like things that like you just wouldn't get being a regular person, not an athlete. So why do we glorify being able to play through pushing our body to limits they're not supposed to be? So like through my shoulder, I like, I was like, that was the first time in over 15, 10, 15 years of playing volleyball that I chose myself. 
that I said, I'm going to put Leah first. I'm not going to put my league, my team, my coaches. I'm not going to put them before me. I'm going to put myself first. And I'm actually going to take the time to heal and do what's best for me for once. Cause I, like I said, I'm team oriented. So I was like, I'm going to do whatever for the team. And now I was like, I'm going to do whatever for Leah. Cause I need it. It's always cool for me doing, doing these interviews, kind of going to just like kind of open eye, just to see where things go conversation wise and what the way our conversation is going and how much insight you are providing is top notch. So I don't know how to say like, like just the depth in the, in the conversation. So just like, I think someone's going to hear this and they're going to have a different perspective on volleyball and how they approach probably their own journey because that so many of us, we, we play through injuries because it's glorified. Like you were saying, you know, like if you like, it, it's like the athlete culture, the athlete mantra, you know, like rough and yeah. dirty on it. And, yeah. and it's like, in the day, if you're, it's kind of like, 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 what do you gain from it sometimes? Uh, lifelong issues. Yeah. I, issues. I mean, ankles, my feet, I have awful, awful issues with my ankles because of playing through sprained ankles and my knees give out on me sometimes. And like, now I have to do more work to keep those things together because I didn't give my body enough time to fix itself. Yeah. So yeah, I hate that. I hate when people glorify injuries or playing through things like that. And like people like LeBron get ridiculed for not playing for three months because he has a sprained ankle. I'm also like, this dude's pushing like 40. Like let's, we, we can't be asking him to do those things. And we shouldn't be asking 15 through 18 year olds to do those things for the sake of winning a game. Because like at the end of the day, like one day we're not going to play in the sport anymore. Whether that's next year or 10 years from now, like I, like I, this is what went through my mind with my shoulders. Like I, like if I have children, I want to be able to move and do things. Like I want to be able to throw a ball to my dog, which I wasn't able to do for the longest time. Like I want to be able to grab a glass from the top shelf or sleep on the right side of my body. Like little things like that, that like when I'm not playing volleyball, I need to be able to move my body without being in pain. And oh my God, my computer's trying to restart. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, like just being able to move my body in normal circumstances was very much like hindsight. Cause I was like, I need to be able to live outside of volleyball. And if I can't do that, then I shouldn't be pushing myself to these extremes still in volleyball. Like I'm not, I was like, I'm not in college anymore. I don't have the resources. I mean, I can, but I don't have the things like that, that I used to. It's a lot on me. Like even my league, like the treatment that I need, like I have to be able to say, I need this, or I need to do extra work before practice to make sure that I'm warm enough for practice. Like it's not someone else. No one else is telling me what to do. No one's telling me what time I have to be at practice so I can warm up. No one's telling me that I have to come to treatment. No one's telling me that I have to go to rehab. Like no one's telling me that it is me myself. And so if I had that accountability for myself maybe earlier and did one of those, a lot of those things before without someone telling me, I think I might be in a different spot or a better place. Or if I put forth that extra effort of icing a little bit more or telling someone like, yo, I'm in pain. I can't, I can't do this today. 
today, or I just need to take a little bit off today that I might be in a different spot. Cause I feel like advocating for yourself as an athlete needs to start when you're becoming an athlete. Cause if it doesn't, then you're never going to do it. And then when you get to the point where you need to start advocating for yourself, you're going to be afraid to, because you're afraid you're going to disappoint someone, which is what I dealt with. I felt like I was disappointing someone by not pushing through the pain because that's always what I did. I felt like I was letting someone down by not playing because I was in so much pain or ending practice earlier for myself being like, Hey, I can't swing anymore. Like I thought I was letting someone down when in fact I wasn't, I was taking care of myself because at the end of the day, my teammates were like, can you play? We need you to play. We don't need you to practice. We need you to be able to play because we need to win games because that's what matters. And so getting into a different mindset of like, I need to take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself, I can't help my team. When majority of my life, I had been like, team, team, what do I need to do to help my team? Instead of being like, no, what do I need to do to make sure I'm okay enough to help my team? Where do I need to be mentally, physically, emotionally to make sure that I'm in the capacity to help my team? And having that mindset change of like, okay, what does Leah need? Because Leah needs to be taken care of before Leah can take care of other people. And that's still something really hard for me saying no or being like, nope, I can't do that today. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I just need rest or telling myself, like, I don't have to work out six days a week every week. Like some days it's okay to take a day off or take two days off when I'm not feeling good. That doesn't make me any less of an athlete. doesn't make me any less dedicated. I have to take care of myself. Mic drop. (laughs) And so, so if you, if you were to guess, so to, to take that mindset shift, right. And say, you know, if you had to go back in time, I guess, to kind of give like, one word of advice to your younger self, would that be it? Think about myself for once. Yeah. Yeah. I said that in an interview last year was this the first time that I've ever thought about myself. I think sometimes it's frowned upon to be selfish and it can't in circumstances like this, you can't be afraid to be selfish and I wish that someone would have told me that I didn't have to swing hard every time I touched the ball. You didn't have to be the athlete every, every, every play. Yeah. I didn't have to be the big arm, the rally killer, the, I didn't have to be the person to finish everything. And, but you can still hurt, hold yourself to a high expectation with limits. Like maybe I could have taken a little bit off. And the crazy thing is I was modified in practice and I didn't even know it. I found that out after that my coach wanted me to take even more swings than I did. And they wanted me to do even more than I was already doing. And to know that that was already a fight being fought for me was like nice. But it's a fact that even with those modifications, I was still taking a bunch of swings. But I mean, I'm okay with that. That became my job. That's what I'm known for. And I'm okay with that. But I wish I would have known like in practice situations, hey, like maybe like I don't have to swing hard every time. Like I can win with the shot. And just like that mindset, like kind of like a immature mindset of from the beginning, everybody's already always told me you jump high and you hit hard. And so I felt like I had to do that every single time or I wasn't being who I was supposed to be. 
So I wish I could tell myself that like, Hey, if you want a long career, you got to pace yourself, dude, you really need to pace yourself. And I would have taken way more breaks in between playing volleyball, like high school and club. I had like a week off or two between that taking more breaks and giving myself proper rest, but also knowing how to do shoulder prehab and rehab and knowing how to properly warm myself up. So then I'm not extenuating myself outside of what I need to do because I just wasn't ready to do what I needed. And uh, I'm still learning volleyball. And so for me hearing you kind of middle blockers, I'm thinking like football and like running backs and, and kind of the one that's always getting the ball, the one that has to go. There's no, you you don't, you don't don't want to just run the ball and just stop. They want you to go, you know, hard every, every play. So but yeah, like middles are middles are like that. And the crazy thing is they're like the opposite of a running back. They will, it's like a wide receiver almost. They line up and they just go and go and go every single time. And half of the time, majority of the time, they don't even get the ball. Most of the time, middles are decoys a lot. Cause if someone's focused on the middle, it leaves everybody else open. And for that job, I would never want that job ever again. It is extremely difficult the higher level you get. And I give all the praise to middles because they do so much work. And sometimes I feel like they are not um, praised enough and not given enough recognition from like a volleyball standpoint and just like an award standpoint. I don't feel like they win enough awards. I don't feel like they are put high enough on awards, like first teams and things like that. And I feel like that's a lot of positions in volleyball, the outsides and the setters get all the praise. And then like the rest kind of don't because they're not touching the ball as often, but middles, my God, they're just running around in circles the entire time. And I can't shout out to the middles out there. Yeah, shout out to all the medals because I'm so happy that stopped in high school because I've watched my teammates kill themselves and I'm like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I have that one urge to do that. You're on the court for three rotations and you do a whole lot more work than I do in six. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> so this is what I'm thinking because I'm, I'm like a lost conversation right now. So I'm like, we got to find a way to collaborate more and kind of get, oh, yeah. get, get, get your knowledge and kind of help. How can we do more? I mean, like, you got really got me thinking about this whole, you know, how can we, you know, grow the guess, accessibility, you know, of volleyball, you know, especially like I'm from Dallas and I know like there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, athletes in Dallas, right? And a lot, yeah. of, a lot of black girls that probably can do all these things and, and they're always just like the basketball and track. And how can we kind of figure out how to showcase, you know, volleyball? It's a stigma. It's a stigma. It's a stigma in the athletic community and it's a stigma in the black community. And until you fix those, you'll never get it. Cause just like, even when I walk down the street and everybody assumes I play basketball and like, I take offense to it. I take so much offense to it. Cause I'm like, no, there are other options. Sometimes I say other things. Like sometimes I'll like throw out a tennis just to see people's face. Cause like, I just, it's just stereotypes. I'm tall and I'm black. I have to play basketball or a look of defeat when I go to church and I told everybody for the first time that I play volleyball and they're like, Oh, no one's more disappointed in me than old black people. When I tell them I don't play basketball. <laughs> Like, and then just like you play basketball, 
no, I play volleyball. And they're like, oh, okay. Bless you, child. Bless you. <laughs> I was like, they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, what's sometimes I say I don't play a sport at all. And that really throws everybody for a loop because it's just like, why do I have to play a sport just because I'm this tall or because I'm this color does not mean I have to play a sport. But I mean, when I can plug volleyball, I will absolutely do it. But sometimes it's really fun to mess with people because mm-hmm. um, I'm not built like a normal person. I'm pretty big. So it's kind of hard for me not if I'm this size and I don't play a sport, I'd be like, what are you eating? So <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's a stigma in both communities until you change the landscape and you change the way that the people that you look at, because I mean, like you go to like LeBron James and those are the big names that you think of when you think of black athletes, but they also have to be the people that are helping change the stigma in all these other sports, because if that's all a kid ever sees is a black athlete in basketball and football, that's what they're going to do. And if we're not putting these other sports and like Simone Biles, like I know how many new black gymnasts are there. There can't be a lot because gymnastics is just as expensive as volleyball, even more not as accessible. And it's just like when you see people's abilities and know that they could, they need, they need to have all the options. They need to be able to do all the sports. They need to be able to go out for swimming. I did swimming. I enjoyed it immensely. And I was blessed to have the opportunity to go and try every sport until I found one that I loved, but not everybody's getting that option. And that's not fair. There was more softball and baseball and golf and tennis and all these other sports where people could be so gifted if they were given the opportunities. But I feel like that's not even a sports issue that could go into so many other fields. Don't get me started on that. Cause I'm a teacher too. You have resources, you have the availability. People are going to be doing things that you would never expect. But also there are some people that don't want you to do all those things that you could do if you have those resources. So it's dealing with issues way bigger than just sports. Nothing goes to like, maybe, 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 maybe you just want to be engineer. You don't want to be an athlete. Maybe, 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 maybe you want to be a, in tech or you want to be in marketing. You want to be a CEO one day. You, know, you want to be an athlete. Yeah. How do you have a conversation with people to, you know, they like, yeah, I may be six, five, but you know, I just want to, I want to code. You know, it's yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't want to play a sport. And yeah. just because you are a size does not mean you have to play a sport because mm-hmm. other side, like what if I'm small and I want to play a sport, like my height, how I look, the color I am should not dictate what I have to do. Yeah. Do I happen to play a sport and I'm black and I'm athletic and I can jump? Yeah. But like, it's cause I love it. Yeah. And that's always what I've said. And this is what I will tell anyone else. If you don't love it, don't do it anymore. Cause volleyball to me is not a career. Yeah. It is something that I love that I happen to get paid to do as well. Because when my love for volleyball leaves i'm not going to force myself to do anymore to get a paycheck i have a degree for that and i love my degree as well but don't do something you don't love just for a paycheck because you will be miserable and i know people who play volleyball because it's their career and they've lost the love of it it's like i won't i don't care how i could be making a million millions and millions of dollars which i'm not which we need to get to but (laughs) If I don't love what I'm doing, why am I going to continue doing it? 
Yeah. If I don't love volleyball anymore, why am I going to continue to push myself to do it? I talk about with you all day about this. Like that, we, we can go for hours. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. So just like how many professional athletes are still playing their sport because They're, it makes them money. And, and they don't know who they are outside of the game or outside of their sports. Absolutely. And COVID helped me figure that out because I figured out that I love children and teaching just as much as I do volleyball. So I've always been happy with doing both. During COVID, I taught. I taught fifth grade. I had my own classroom. I did all that. And volleyball came second to that. I left to go play volleyball, but I still came back to teaching. And this year, volleyball took heed over teaching. And I didn't teach as much as I did my first year. But I know that I love both of those things. and I'd be happy doing both of those. And I feel like we all go to college, but how many of the athletes going pro finish college? Like, are, why aren't we pushing them to have a degree? And I know people say now it's a degree, but also at the same time, what are you going to do after? What if you don't make it past? What if you don't make it to your second contract? What if after your second contract, you don't make it to your third? What if you blow all your money in your first couple of years and you got nothing else left and now you don't have a degree and not every school lets you come back and finish your degree? Now I know Kentucky lets you come back. And they take pride in that and letting people come back and finish their degree, but not every school is going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so then what, what, then what are you going to do? Just, yeah. You got to, you got to find an identity outside of volleyball. And that has been one of my strong suits is that I am more than just a ball player. And I knew my limits. I wasn't going to stand at the gym for until all hours of the night doing the same thing over and over again. That that's not me. I'm not one of those things. I am not like a big gym rat. I'm one of those people like, I'm going to get in here. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But after that, I got to give myself a break. You're efficient. But that's what you want to call it. <laughs> hey, I'll I mean, say that because it's, sometimes it's frowned upon to not want to be in the gym yeah. all the time and not wanting to be working on your craft all the time. But sometimes you need a break. And I feel like that's why I'm able to play a lot longer than some people will, because I, I'm not like that. I'm like, I, I'm not going to run myself dry at volleyball and run it to the ground. Cause then you get sick of it real quickly. And it becomes just like, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, I'm in the gym all the time. I can't do it. And I'm just, I never feel that. I'm like, Oh, I get to play volleyball today. Yay. Yeah. So, so Leah, a question for you. So, so what's next for you? You know, we talked about, you know, about the mindset shift. So what's, what's next as you progress, you know, to the end of this year and going to the next? I'm going to try to play for as long as my body allows me and how long mentally I want to do. But I am very fluid when it comes to my career. I'm going to do what's best for me. I think a big thing that I've gotten into now and always been, my parents have been very supportive of me using my voice. Um, Very active on Twitter. If anyone ever follows me on Twitter, I've been very active on talking about issues and what's going on. And I think I have shifted into more of an advocacy thing. Like I want to play, like I, like most people would be like, for how much like you're getting paid to play volleyball, they wouldn't want to keep doing that. And they wouldn't want to be part of a league that's just starting up because it might not financially be there. But to me, it was looked at as like, okay, now I can reach a whole bigger group of people because I'm staying in America 
playing a sport that's not big here. And I get to use my platform and my voice to share my story and to be an influence to other girls like me who didn't get to watch pro volleyball when I was younger because we didn't have it. So now I've kind of like, how can I use my volleyball? How can I use the platform that I've been given while I'm still playing to impact as many people as possible and doing as many camps and being around in Kentucky as much as I can, because I know that by me being around the game of volleyball here, it's going to help grow it. By me being active still in my community, it's going to still help grow it. And using any time I get asked to do a podcast or things like that to do it because my voice might be changing someone or helping someone. And if I can help one person be a better version of themselves, then I am happy and content. And I know that is God's plan for me because I know that I've been given the platform and I need to use it to the best of my ability because one day I may not have it anymore. <laughs> you've, been, you've been you've been killing this whole episode <laughs> from, from from the first word you said you've just been dropping fire bombs and just and, and it's so so dope to hear your perspective and how you know it's not about the money you know like you know like like money money's good you know money helps us but you're saying, you know, my voice can have maybe a bigger impact than what money can possibly do right now. And that, that's, that's admirable, you know, like that's, that's dope to hear. And, I, and I'm glad you're so, I'm guessing you're going to still AU year three. We're going to see you out there. Hopefully, hopefully. Okay. Working yeah. on that. So okay. hopefully. Yes, but I, yeah. I, had a great, I had a great time going to the, the last day. So I, I definitely want to come back and, 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 and do and visit more games because I'm from Dallas. So I would have yeah. to come back and watch, watch more matches. I'm hoping it gains more traction because, you know, last year or this past year was the first year that we were able to have fans. Yeah. And so I'm hoping entertainment advertisement wise, it gets out a little bit more. I mean, every time I went somewhere in Dallas, I was like, we're playing volleyball here. And we went and visited a couple of clubs, but I mean, Dallas is such a big city that like, I feel like we could still be doing so much more to get the word out there. And I'm hoping that we get bigger TV time. Cause I know like sometimes even my family was struggling to be able to watch me play and they have every sports package known to man. So I'm hoping that it becomes a little bit more accessible. So people get to watch it, but also help grow the league and help us grow as players as well. So I'm really hopeful for the future. Oh man, and the last question for you. So, so, so where are you at? Social media wise, what's your username we can kind of mention right now? Leah Edmund 13. On everything? On everything. <laughs> right. Instagram, Twitter, all the stuff. Very active on Twitter though. <laughs> uh, I, I gotta follow you now. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I get into some pretty uh, heated conversations, okay. you know. But I I like the heat. I like doing, uh, especially Black History. Okay. I did last year. I did the whole month of February. I did like a Black History thing where every day I talked about a person that like um, 
not famous, not a not famous person. I feel like Black History we always like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and all that stuff. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We got all these other people, people like that you have no clue about what they did. And so I will always advocate for that in our schools. And that's what I'm working on too, trying to get the real history put in there and intertwining African American history with US history because it's the same thing. Happen on American soil, you need to talk about it. That's my mantra. If it happened here, you gotta talk about it, no matter how good or bad it may be. And I will always be the first person to put out some type of history fact or call somebody out. And I will always be the first person to say something about women in sports because it needs to be said to my 3,000 followers. Someone's gonna see it and someone's gonna be impacted. So I might as well say something. Someone's going to hear this and they're going to be impacted. And I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of people are going to be an eye open through this conversation for sure. Yeah. Well, well I appreciate you. Take Thank the time. You. And Luna, if you hear me. She's knocked out. I was like, man, she, I was, she's quiet. There was no barking at all. Man, I was like, she's. No, she's usually chill, but she's laid out. She's like a. At night, she's like a watchdog. So all she does is paces. She paces the house the entire day, night, and then she sleeps all day because she never slept that night. Oh, so she looked up at me because she heard me say her name. But yeah, she's over here knocked out on the floor. Awesome. Well, we will enjoy Kentucky. And, I will. <laughs> and keep, keep changing the game. I will try my very best. Thank awesome. you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.